Good afternoon. You know, last week, uh, as I moved my stand over to to be in the middle, yeah, you hear the the person back there. Dwayne was home last week, and he told me he says, "Chris, he said, I don't know if you did this on purpose just to mess with the Type A people." Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> did you stand to the left on on purpose? And I, I should have said, not that you're aware of, but uh, I actually did not do it on purpose. Uh, so I, I'm uh, <clears throat> just trying to keep the cameraman on the camera person and uh, on on her toes back there. But uh, good afternoon. We have been talking for the last couple of weeks about how Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant the former agreement with God and how he initiated and inaugurated a new way to be in relationship with God. And the book of John, of all the Gospels, tells this reality in a a unique way, in a very unique way. Thank you. See, at the end of the book of John, we have this, that John writes this. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for all the books that would be. So from that, we can learn a lot about the book of John. For, for one thing, we learned that John selected his stories. He didn't include everything. It wasn't a uh, you know, star date to a 2475, here's what happened kind of a book at all. In fact, what it was was a, uh, a book that was supposed to be theological. He selected the stories because he wanted us to know some really important things about Jesus. And what he accomplished. And John's gospel is unique among the gospels because it's not just telling of the events, but it's deeply, a deeply theological consideration of what Jesus did and what Jesus means. And and as such, sometimes it's hard for us people living in, you know, 2022 to grasp all of the context and the, the texture of what Jesus said and did and how John points it out for us. And sometimes we miss it. We miss it. So last week we were looking at John 7 and 8 and how Jesus is the bread of life and how when they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, they were, they were celebrating Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment of that feast and that his body is the true manna that came from heaven. But there's another symbol in the midst of this festival that was hugely important. Uh, you see the Feast of Tabernacles or booths celebrated, remember God's provision in their wilderness journey. So not only was it the bread, not only was it the light where they put the, they they lit the big giant candelabras because Jesus is the light of the world, but there's another one. See, God not only provided manna for them, but also he provided water. And today I want to talk about that symbol and how Jesus fulfilled that. But to truly understand it in all of its context, we we have to go on a journey together. We, We have to remember the experiences of the people of God and we have to see how they remembered them. And it's only when we do that that we can fully grasp all that John is saying. So it may feel like we're meandering a bit, but stick with me because it will be revealed, it'll all be revealed in the end. You see, water was huge in their journey across the desert, wasn't it? 
When you think about moving a large number of people and the animals across the wilderness, you cannot carry enough water to get very far. When Drake and I go hunting, we carry water in our packs enough for the day and not more because water is heavy. And you don't want to be carrying it around. But if you were trying to carry water for your animals, that would be even crazy. Their technology wasn't even to that point. It wasn't like they were on a 10-lane highway with rest area signs where they could pull off and get some more water. And so they were completely dependent on God for the water. In Numbers 2, 1 through 13, we have an important story about that. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. And they quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness and that, our, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went out from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together and speak to that rock before their eyes. And it will pour out its water, and you will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff of the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him, and he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. See, this miracle of, of water from the rock became amazingly important to the people of God. It took on even greater significance later, but God providing them water was what they were remembering and what they would celebrate. And during the festival, different scriptures were read in, in, in front and foremost, and they were read and saying, and here's some of the scriptures, and this is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, and here's the scriptures that they would hear in this seven-day celebration. Scriptures like Isaiah 12. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord, though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and so proclaim his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. You see, they celebrated what God had done, but they knew and understood that it wasn't complete. Remember, remembering signs are three-way signs. They, they point back 
to a historical event. They point to right now in something that you're experiencing or doing, but they point forward to the ultimate fulfillment. And so as they were participating in the Feast of Tabernacles, they were looking back at what had happened in the wilderness. They were praising God for the things that he was doing for them right now. And they were looking forward to a time when Messiah would come and he would fulfill it to the ultimate. Great is the Holy One of Israel among you. When the Messiah came, water from the wells of salvation would come. Life-giving water. So they also understood that this water from their wilderness journey was not only the only way that water gave life because they also depended on rain for their crops. So a lot of their prayers during this time was actually for rain, and rain was huge. When a prophet prayed, he, he stopped the rain, and their crops wouldn't grow. They rightly understood that rain was the providence of God. When they looked up to heaven, they thought, we have no control over the rain. It is God that provides the rain. In, in fact, in Deuteronomy 28, 12, it says this, the Lord will open the heavens and the storehouse or the treasure house of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all your work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You know, when they had these big events, these big festivals, there were always people that were selling souvenirs, right? Now, we, we don't have any archaeological evidence that there were t-shirts, you know, Feast of Booths, you know, CE4. You know, they didn't have any of that kind of thing, right? But, but you, could, you could pick up stuff, and they've actually found commemorative glasses and jars from the events, from the period. And one of the ones that they found from the Feast of Tabernacles has gold keys on it, two gold keys. And the archaeologists believe that what they were celebrating was how God would unlock the treasure house of heaven from Deuteronomy and give them rain. Those two keys were representing the early rains of tabernacles and the late rains of Passover. And water also played an, an important, you know, they had different ceremonies, and it, it played this important role in the festival itself because of the scriptures of what was going to be like when Messiah came. Zechariah, he tells of a time when Israel will be attacked by all the nations, but after that time will come the time of the Messiah. And listen to what Zechariah says. The day of the Lord is coming. Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided up within your very walls, I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against them, and its city will be captured. The houses ransacked and the, women's, and the women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley, with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. And you will flee by my mountain valley, for I will extend to Azel, and you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there will be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. It will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord, with no distinction between night, day and night. When the evening comes, there will be light. On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and the other half west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter. 
And the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord in his name, the only name. And then the survivors from all the nations who have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. If any of the people of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. Zechariah 14 was read during this time, and they, they heard it. They listened to it. And again in Ezekiel 47, it says, the man brought me back. This is Ezekiel his, in this, this spiritual dream where a man, we can talk about who we might think that is, was, was taking Ezekiel out and was showing him things. He says, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from underneath the south side of the temple, the south of the altar. And then he brought me up through the north gate and led me around to the outer, to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling out of the south side. This water would flow from the very foundation of the temple and would go down and create a river. That river could even bring life to the Dead Sea. That's the vision Ezekiel saw. You see, all around this great festival there were symbols of the water of life water that was more than just water in fact it was living water you could tell that it was more than just water because it not only uh, grew plants but it would heal the nations and it would heal dead waters like the dead sea it was living water and if we don't understand the importance of what had gone before, we're going to miss the very thing we were supposed to see from John. The people that were reading the book of John, they knew about the Feast of Tabernacles. They had attended, so, so they knew what the order of service was. They knew what the people did, what the priests would do, and, and, and what they were supposed to do, and, and all of this. And they, they understood what was going to happen. So, in one point, the priest would perform this, this ritual with water. And here's what would happen in that ceremony. It's called the water libation ceremony. And, and it began with these priests, and, and they would go down to the pool of Siloam. You might remember that pool because that was where Jesus healed a guy who was waiting for the angel to disturb it, and, and, and Jesus healed him right there on the spot. And the priest would go down to that pool and they would dip a golden flagon that would hold about two pints of water and they would dip it in there and they would pull that water out. And a, a procession of men and women would uh, accompany them as they went down there and, and as they came back, and as they came back through the south gate of the temple, which consequently is known as the water gate. And they would go up the, up the ramp to the altar. And the, the people that were in the procession, they would, they would be waving bouquets of palm and willow and myrtle branches. They would be waving them and celebrating. It was a great celebration, a festival. And during that time, they would sing Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. And as I was looking at that, and I was going, oh, wow, look at the neat things that are in these psalms. I thought, well, I, 
you know, I, wow, if I, if I just pick and choose some of the neat things, you're going to miss the flavor of what they were doing. So I'm going to read them for you. What they were reading, what they were singing, as the water was going up, and they walked up from the, the pool of Siloam up to the altar. Here's what they were singing, Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you His servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, let the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, or the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look upon the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and his prince, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now, as I read these, don't just check out because I know it's a lot of words, but listen for the Messiah. Listen for the water of life. And then they would read Psalm, or sing Psalm 114. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it? See that you fled? Why, Jordan, did you turn back? Why, mountains, did you leap like, ram, leap like rams and hills like lambs? Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him but they're idols of silver and gold made by humans' hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people, Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May he be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord or those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Don't lose track of what's happening. The priests are walking from the pool of Siloam and the people are shouting and singing these songs, waving branches and bouquets. Psalm 116, I love the Lord for he has heard my voice. He's heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. By the way, that word, Lord, save me, is Hosanna. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. 
Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have, been, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted in my alarm. I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Remember, listen for water, listen for salvation, listen for Messiah. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And finally, they sang Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Can you imagine that when he says, when the priest would say, let Israel say, his love endures forever, all the people would shout, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live, and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Hosanna! Lord, save us. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. 
You see, maybe as you were listening to Psalm 118, you're thinking, oh, this is King David who's writing this, and he's writing about how he was surrounded, and he killed all these things, and then all of a sudden you, you hear that cornerstone verse, and you're going, whoa, wait a minute. That's a Jesus verse. And you begin to look back, and you begin to see that Psalm 118 is talking about a Messiah, our Messiah, Hosanna, with bows in hand, that's what they were doing. That was the very moment they were in. They, they had all these bouquets and these palm leaves. Wait, remember Jesus who was going up and they put the boughs on the ground? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the highest. Did you hear the references? Did you hear them worshiping God saying, Hosanna, save me? Did you hear the references to living water? Did you hear the references to the Messiah? Sometime look at those verses between 113 and 118 and just look closely at them and listen to them. Now the singing was accompanied by trumpet blasts. And so you had trumpets that were going off and then, <coughs> excuse me, I get so excited. And then there were these reed flutes that were playing the music at the same time and the procession would go up and they got to the altar and they would go around the altar seven times. And then the priest did something significant. Remember, he was carrying this gold flagon of water. Now on the altar, there was a silver bowl at the south side of the altar. And this silver bowl was divided into two chambers, if you will, two sections. Both had open drains into the altar, and the silver bowl was on the south side of the altar, and, and, and the water was poured into the one that was on the west side. Remember what I read about in Zechariah and Ezekiel. And, and wine was poured into the one on the east side. And they would drain down into the altar. It was, it was a pouring out sacrifice. Now, everyone who had read the book of John when John wrote it had experienced this. Everyone who was reading had been a part of this their whole lives. So they had they'd been a part. They had marched up. They had celebrated, and it was quite a celebration. Now you have a little bit of a picture that they were remembering and what they were commemorating. And in the middle of the richness of all this, Jesus stands up, and he says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of him will flow rivers of living water. And then John explains it by this. He meant the Spirit from whom those who had believed him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And on hearing this, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Now I'm going to ask Solomon to take it back to verse 38. Because I read it a, a little bit different than what you're reading there. What you're reading there says, whoever believes in me, as, a, as the scripture said, rivers of life, living water will flow from within them. That's not what I read, Right? It's unfortunate, but this particular verse, I believe, has a translation issue. 
Um, this particular verse, you'll see in your NIV, there's a little footnote. And when you look at the footnote down at the bottom, it has the, the version that I read. I actually think that the footnote version is the better one. You see, Greek has no punctuation, and so both are legitimate translations, and both have legitimate reasons for why they were translated that way, but I like the second one better. I wish they would have chosen it. That out of him will flow rivers of living water, because the living water John identifies later is that the Holy Spirit. John says this in John 16, 7, but very truly I tell you it is for your good that I'm going away, says Jesus, because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The scripture never identifies believers as the source of the Holy Spirit. Always, Scripture through and through identifies Messiah as pouring out living water. God as the source of living water, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, unless I go, then I won't send him. So it's good that I'm going because when I go, I will send him down. And in that messianic age, when we read Ezekiel and Zechariah, from this altar will flow living water. And Jesus says, come to me all who are thirsty. Jesus is the fulfillment of the ceremony that we're celebrating. He is the fulfillment. He is the one who came and then sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the source. Without him and his sacrifice, the Holy Spirit would not come. And so they were celebrating, but they had no idea what they were celebrating. The fact that Jesus would come. Messiah would come and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. Now, they did have some ideas that this was going to happen because Joel 2, 28, 29, it says, Afterward, I will pour out my Spirit, says Joel, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And Peter declares in Acts 2 that it's this very verse that was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came on them in power. He says, right here, right now, what you're seeing is the fulfillment of this. But why is this important? Because Paul says this in Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. You see, what I want to say today is simply this. Trust in Jesus. Why? Be, because he is the fulfillment of the promise of that Holy Spirit that would come. And we can't please God without the Holy Spirit in our life. Oh, we can try. We can do all the rules. We can, we can, we can try and live a good life, but it won't be enough. We can try and remember the way we're supposed to do things, but it won't be enough. But when God's Spirit is living inside of us, then we begin to change from the inside out, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise that the Holy Spirit would come. He's the source 
living water. So he can tell the people in the midst of that symbol, in the midst of that celebration, everyone who's thirsty, come to me. Just like I was the bread, I'm the water. Come to me. I will give you this living water. He was the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. But because this is John, there's a little bit more depth. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied men. That rock was Christ. And remember what we read earlier, Numbers 2, 11 and 12, Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community <clears throat> and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of Israel, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And then John tells us this regarding the event at the close of Christ's crucifixion. In John 19, Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. And because the Jewish leaders did not want bodies left on crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. And the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Remember the festival? The festival where Jesus said, Come to me, all who are thirsty. The festival where the priest grabbed the water from the pool of Siloam and they went all the way up through the water gate singing and praising and they poured one, they poured the water into the west side and it went down and they poured the wine in the other. John was telling us as he was reporting what happened with the crucifixion of Jesus that Jesus was the fulfillment of the festival. Water and blood, the Holy Spirit and the blood for purification. Moses struck the rock, the spear. The way of Moses would never be able to bring them into the promised land. Moses' way would never be able to bring them into the promised land. Israel had struck the rock. But when they did, Jesus was the fulfillment. The water and the blood flowed. The blood that covered our sins and the water of the Holy Spirit of which Jesus would be the source the rock, the stone that the builders rejected would become the cornerstone, the very cornerstone of the temple where the river of life would flow and heal the nations. 
Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that. Only Jesus. So in their celebration, they were remembering what God had done in the wilderness, but they were celebrating what Jesus would do right in the middle of them. Jesus and his sacrifice is the way to access the water of life and his statement at the feast, a feast that he would fulfill is an invitation, an invitation to all who are thirsty, come and drink. And Jesus says this at the very end of the book of Revelation. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come. And the one who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. If you are spiritual thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, trust in Jesus. Come to him and he will forgive you from your sins, the blood that has flowed, and he will, he will give you the water of life because he is truly the source of the water of life. He's the fulfillment of the feast. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, even though we as modern people have to work so hard at understanding the symbols of what happened then and there, still you've made a way for us to do it. And how amazing your word is, how interconnected it is, and how amazing it is that you have revealed through your word your story of salvation for us. And God, I pray we would trust in you for salvation. And we would trust that you would give us the Holy Spirit. You have poured out your spirit on all flesh. That has already been accomplished. And yet we know that some have not trusted you Peter says, repent and be baptized, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray, Lord, that if anyone hearing my voice has not repented, given their heart to you and been baptized, that they would do that, Lord, so that they are able to receive the gift, the gift that you paid such a price for, allowing your Spirit to be poured out on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you and praise you, Jesus, for being the source and doing that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.